You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. It may look like an ordinary podcast, but this one's bigger on the inside, and it can travel anywhere in time and space. Pack your sonic screwdrivers and your jelly babies. Grab your hats, scarves, and tighten your bow ties. You're the companion now, so get ready to run with your hosts, Jason Hunt and Paul Gann. This is Talking Time Lords. Hey everybody and welcome back to another fantastic episode of Talking Time Lords. This is episode number 74. God save the Queen. I am as always one of your hosts, Jason Hunt, and with me, my podcasting companion through time and space, we have Paul Gann. Okay, Jason, have you noticed the parallels between tonight's story that we're talking about with the Kurt Russell movie, The Thing? Nope. The Thing, you know, the movie, The Thing. I, I've, I've heard of it. I've never seen it, ever. You've never... Ever. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, what movies have you seen? Well, um, I'll go ahead and add the thing to my list. My list of things I need to watch. Yeah. Which is an ever-growing list, I must say. Yeah. Um... Why don't we move past that? How's it going, Paul? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. I'm going to have to make you a list of movies to watch. Get in line, bud. Get in line. (laughs) Oh, oh, man. How you doing? I'm alive. There you go. Much like the Ice Queen. Ooh, there you go. Oh, man. Yeah, we're going to have a lot of fun talking about this episode of Doctor Who, but... Before we get there, we've got a couple of things we need to get to first. First of all, we want to get some of your thoughts on the Monk Trilogy. We asked for your thoughts on our Facebook page and our Facebook group page in particular, and we did have a couple of responses here. Chris Clark says, I thought it built up a lot that it didn't really pay off. The ending of it was a bit of a letdown. I didn't like and still am confused by the regeneration Capaldi's Doctor seems to be able to manipulate regeneration energy far more than previous Doctors, I will say. The Lie of the Land was easily the best episode Bill has had and one of my favorite companion-centric episodes ever. She did an amazing job in that finale. Ramona Schnitker says, Whole lot to digest. I got a big problem with the fake regeneration. Him jacking a future incarnation to get the energy is not helping. It was a lie, a fib, that <laughs> Bill kept for herself to save the world, her idea creation of a mum within herself. Jeff Waddell says, great first episode, good second episode, bad third episode. (laughs) 
Short, sweet, and to the point, Jeff. <laughs> Joey lets and goes, Trilogy? Haven't the monks been in every episode of the series? <laughs> ha 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 ha. Very funny, Joey. Spread the propaganda. Spread it. <laughs> and then Ramona posted a little meme at the end here with the doctor in the midst of his uh, <clears throat> regeneration from the lie of the land yeah. saying, Faking a regeneration, a subject time lords do not talk about in polite company. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, that's some of our <laughs> listeners' thoughts on the Monk Trilogy. Uh, a little bit more negative than I was, uh, but then again, I'm a genuinely positive sort of guy. Uh, I was a little um, more negative than you were on the last one, too. So That is true. But I still gave it a good rating. You did. So. You did. You did. Especially when we rated it as a trilogy. Um, all right. We've still got a couple of things to get to before we jump into The Empress of Mars. There's some news items out here. What do you want to hit first? Hmm. Let's do Stephen Moffat talking about why he didn't cast a woman in his run of Doctor Who. That's a sweet short and to the point. Yeah, uh, <laughs> basically his quote is a little rambly for me to want to read. He says that he wasn't out to not cast a woman. He just ended up wanting to cast Matt Smith and Peter Capaldi. They were the specific people he wanted. And so that's why he cast them. It's fair. So, you know, fair. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and then Russell T. Davies is out there <laughs> rubbing our noses in it. What is, what is RTD saying, Paul? He is saying that the 13th Doctor has already been cast, and he knows who the person is, yeah. but he's not telling. Yeah, no. <laughs> oh, yeah. thanks, RTD. <laughs> Russell T. Davies, you're a jerk. A bit like Mycroft on Sherlock. Mm. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> I, I'm I'm still of the mind that none of the the favorites in the last month or so are going to actually be who the Doctor is. So. <laughs> well, I mean, realistically, you're going to have to look at a couple of things. You're going to have to look at who is currently working yes. on a full time schedule. Yes. Then you're also going to have to look at who is not a large enough name in the cinema to walk away from this. Right. That's going to leave a lot of good people, but it's it's also going to cut out a lot of the names that have been listed prior to this point. That is true. Yeah. That is true. <laughs> and at this point, I'm giving up on speculating. I'm just going to wait until they give us the announcement, and then we can talk about it. Which my guess is, since we've only got three more episodes left in the series, we're going to have those finished out, and they're going to announce it sometime between now and the Christmas special. I kind of find it funny because I was talking to my wife today, and I told her, I said, I really would like to see a regeneration at some point in the modern series mid-season. And she looked at me like, I can't believe you said that. And I'm like, what? What's wrong? And she's like, I don't want to see Peter Capaldi go yet. <laughs> and, I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like, well, that's kind of funny considering two seasons ago you were talking about how much you hated him as the doctor. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. See, Peter gets everybody in the end. <laughs> And then there's one more little piece of news that we want to talk about before we get into the episode. And this has something kind of to do with this episode. One of the original Ice Warrior masks uh, first used in the 1967 Second Doctor story called the Ice Warriors has been found and restored by the folks over at Toy Box Treasures. It was a prop used in both the Troughton and Pertwee eras and was acquired last year sometime. And the decision was taken to preserve the prop using a specialist team led by a gentleman named Mike Tucker, the BAFTA award-winning model maker who has worked on both the classic and revived versions of Doctor Who. They preserved the head, 
all of the existing pieces were used. Colors were matched for age, with layers of silver paint added for an exhibition removed, revealing orange eye sockets. So, yeah, it was it was all restored, and it looks pretty cool. The fact that we have something from the late 1960s that's foam and a prop in the BBC archives that has lasted this long, it's pretty cool. So you know how unreliable those BBC archive props can be stored. Well, the fact that it's even in one piece at this point is... You know, yeah. Pictures that they're showing of so. it, it doesn't look like it's in the greatest shape, but we'll take what we can no, get. Exactly. And that the article that we're reading this off of has a before and after picture, and it looks fantastic how they were able to restore it and everything. I'm really, really excited about that. So, any more thoughts on that before we jump into our episode? I'm just excited to talk about this episode. Okay, well then let's <laughs> do that. <laughs> This episode is titled Empress of Mars. It was written by Mark Gatiss, directed by Wayne Yip, and was originally released on June 10th, 2017. And the synopsis is as follows. When NASA discovers a message reading, God save the Queen, on Mars' surface, the 12th Doctor, Nardole, and Bill travel to the Red Planet to investigate it. On arrival, they find themselves embroiled in a conflict between the Ice Warriors and the Empress Iraxa, and Victorian soldiers, who are determined to conquer Mars. It's just the same, only this time humans are the ones invading. Now which side should the Doctor help, humans or ice warriors? One thing is clear, the Doctor must choose fast, as the Martian hive awakens around them. Dun, dun, dun. Okay, I have to ask, before we ever get into anything, Okay. what did you think about the costumes? Ooh, that was going to be one of my first <laughs> points. I think they turned out great. I love them. They're a modernized version of the original. And by that, I mean, they're not quite as bulky, especially around the hips. And uh, that gives them a much smoother range of movement, but they're still very, very much mm -hmm. ice warriors. Yeah. I really thought that the attention to detail and the appreciation for the original material was very, very evident in the creation of these, these costumes because the masks, the helmets, all of that looked virtually identical to the classic but it was just a little bit more cleaned up, mm -hmm. I guess you'd say. Yeah. And then uh, the the arms, legs, chest plate, all of that were very, very, very similar to the originals. Uh, the exception being that they upgraded the hands. Right. Um, and I'm not opposed to that at all, considering that the original costumes basically had Lego hands. <laughs> so, Yeah. <laughs> That's very true. That's very true. Uh, so, yeah. All right. Well, go ahead and give us your, your spoiler-free thoughts before we jump into the details. Oh, man. I don't even know how I would begin to, to go spoiler-free with this at this point. Um, I thought that it was a very pleasant surprise. And what I mean by that is we had talked about all season, we've been talking about how this is an homage to the classic series. This is an homage to the classic series. This episode was literally the classic series. <laughs> right? It, it was the classic series. It was classic series villains. It was classic series settings. Uh, the story itself 
was a very classic series type story. Yeah. And they even reintroduced other elements directly from the classic series. Mm -hmm. And we'll get into that momentarily, but I was elated when I watched this. (laughs) Yeah, no, I I really like this episode. (laughs) This is a good one. Uh, You're right. If you put this episode in the classic series, no one would be the wiser. Yes. Almost. You know, it, it, it's, it's yes. very much a classic era styled story. Yes. Which is, of course, what happens when you get Mark Gatiss and Stephen Moffat putting an episode together like this. Even the portrayal of the voices and everything for the Ice Warriors was spot Oh, it was on. great. Yeah. One thing that is interesting to note is that this episode was originally supposed to be the sequel to the... The Sandman episode that we got last season. Her? Yeah, Mark Gatiss was supposed to write the sequel for Sleep No More. Oh, 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 you mean they changed the story? Yeah, it was supposed to be the sequel to Sleep No More from last season. Gotcha. And Mark Gatiss was like, hey, can I just do this other story that I've always wanted to do? And Moffat said, okay. And uh, we got <laughs> The Empress of Mars instead. So whether or not there will ever be a sequel for Sleep No More... I don't know. Well, that will be up to Chris Chibnall at this point. Yes. Yes, it will. So You can bet, though, Mark Gatiss will probably say, hey, hey, I was supposed to do that sequel. <laughs> you need me to come back and write another episode so I can actually do that sequel, right? 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 <laughs> I have a feeling that he wants to still have his finger in the pie. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's jump into the meat and potatoes of this episode. <laughs> Spoilers. We start at NASA. This is very, very nice. <laughs> I thought this was an amazing scene. <laughs> I love this scene where they they walk into NASA during the countdown. And they, the doctor, of course, very liberal use of the psychic papers this episode. Right. Which is the only one of the few things that would seem out of place in the classic series. <laughs> NASA is just about to receive images back from Mars from a, a probe that is able to take images of the surface of Mars underneath the polar ice caps. And uh, there is a rock formation made on the surface of Mars hidden under all the snow and ice that says, God save the queen. And of course, NASA is completely befuddled. The doctor gets a grin on his face and they're off to Mars. They meaning the doctor, Bill and Nardol to go investigate. Uh, they start exploring, things are going fine, until Bill falls through a hole, and Nardole runs back to the TARDIS, and the TARDIS leaves! TARDIS is, um... What do you think the TARDIS is up to? Honestly, the TARDIS um, is... it's kind of difficult to figure it out at this point. It, I don't know if it was being temperamental, or if it was that Nardole could not navigate it properly uh, at this point. Well, I mean, he just goes back inside, and it takes off without him touching the control panel, so... Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I just, I don't know. It really, it feels like one of those scenarios where the TARDIS knows what the doctor needs before the doctor knows. We're going to have to see how this situation plays out because of course at the very end, well, Nardole can't get it to come back. Let's, let's just finish Nardole's little deal here. <laughs> Nardole can't get the TARDIS come, to come back. And because the TARDIS returns to the doctor's office at St. Luke's, Nardole goes for help. And of course, who does Nardole go to help from? Missy. Yeah. Missy in the vault. And he's like, can you tell me how to do this? And she's like, oh, yes, of course. Yeah. Although it would be quicker if I showed you. <laughs> always. Always. And Nardole goes, oh, oh, 
uh... Arnold's not happy. <laughs> well, that all happens in the first five minutes. Yeah. And then he doesn't show up until the end. And when he shows back up, he's, of course, there with the TARDIS, and he's like, well, please don't be mad. But, and of course, the doctor yeah. walks inside... And there's Missy at the controls. Hiding behind the console like she's a child in trouble. <laughs> right. And the doctor's like, this is bad. This is wrong. You're not supposed to be here. What's going on? You know I'm going to have to put you back in the vault. And she says, okay, all right. <laughs> and the doctor's like, what? WTF, Missy. <laughs> what the fried chicken, Missy? What? What's What's going on, Paul? Help me out. I can't figure out what she's playing at. <laughs> well, we, we talked about this a little bit on our last episode, you know. I still think that uh, <sighs> this is, at the very best case scenario, a temporary thing. Mm -hmm. Worst case scenario, it's total and utter manipulation, which is not even remotely far from what the, <laughs> the master would do at any given time. So right. I think we're just going to have to wait it out and see where this goes, because I'm very intrigued at this point as to where they're taking this. <laughs> they are jerking our chain back and forth on this one. I'm oh, I, I, I was hoping that once we figured out who was in the vault, the chain jerking would stop. <laughs> yeah. It's only gotten worse. <laughs> you haven't figured out Stephen Moffat better than that. Uh, <laughs> it's only gotten worse since we found out it was Missy. Now, uh, now it's like, but what are we going to do? I know, what is right? she doing? What is the doctor doing? How are we going to solve this issue? Oh. And I'm like, <laughs> so yeah, I don't know what's going on. It's driving me nuts. Uh, <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> oh. oh my gosh. All right. Well, do you have anything else to say on that whole situation before we, we move back to the meat of the episode? Let's hit it. Okay. Oh. So the doctor and Bill find out simultaneously that the ice warriors are there and that there are victorian soldiers on mars well at this point they they, they know that there's one ice warrior yes true <laughs> and they find out that the ice warrior who's now been named friday by oh my gosh captain captain godsacre which by the way the the, the names of the primary two British soldiers, uh, Captain Godsacre, or excuse me, Corporal Godsacre and Captain Catchlove. Um, <laughs> interesting. Then we had Sergeant Major Peach. There was Jackdaw, Vincy, Nibs, Coolidge, you know. Where's Osgood? Uh, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, oh, it was weird. I thought they were, I thought they were funny names and uh, there's gotta be something in those names, something that, uh, you know, Knowing Mark Gatiss, he put those, he gave those names in there for a reason, and I'm like, they sound vaguely James Bondish. Well, they sound vaguely Seven Dwarfish too. <laughs> well, so you know, oh, someone needs to ask him what's up with their names. Why did you name them? But of course, there's no articles out yet that I've seen about <laughs> why they're named that. Well, let's be honest. Whenever Mark Gatiss writes an episode. He usually does it from a very cerebral point of view and leaves it for you to figure out. <laughs> I'm not sure there's a lot cerebrally motivated here in this episode. Though. Well, you know, that's just the way he works. Uh, he, he leaves it to the imagination a lot of times for you to figure the little mysteries out about it, you know. Yeah, true. All right. That being said, Corporal Godsacre uh, says that he discovered Friday's crashed starship 
in the African bush when he was stationed over in Africa and um, revived him out of some sort of coma. And in return for help coming back to Mars, Friday uh, has promised riches, you know, gold, silver, jewels, that sort of thing for the British. And so they've sent a, a military detachment there to mine Mars for these riches and to claim it in the name of the British Empire. Okay, what did you think about these Victorian spacesuits? Oh, total steampunk. I liked it. It was very interesting. I I didn't expect to like them, to be honest with you, but I did. It was very different. I liked it. It was pretty cool. I don't know. I, I don't have any other thoughts other than I thought it was nifty. But of course, <laughs> you know, we only saw them twice, so... Well, not only that, you have the Doctor's spacesuit, the Doctor... Bill and Nardole all have spacesuits that have a very classic Who feel to them. They do. It's a new, it's a new set of spacesuits for the TARDIS crew, and I like these spacesuits. But you're right; they do have a very classic feel to them. Very classic Who design, especially when the helmets are removed. Yes, yeah, which I I like. Now, if if this was made in the classic series, those helmets would be globes, right? So, um, that being said, though, I, I think they're they're pretty nifty. And the doctor is now suspicious because it appears that Friday is getting absolutely nothing out of this deal because upon return to Mars, the whole planet seems dead. And it appears Friday is the last of the Martians, the last of his kind. At least that's what uh, Corporal Godacre believes. And the doctor becomes suspicious. He believes, and we discover this simultaneously with the doctor figuring it out, that Friday has been playing the humans for his own purposes. That what they're mining for isn't really the riches that he's promised. It's to uncover a tomb of the Empress of Mars. The Queen Ice Warrior, if you will. And of course they go into the tomb and it's, you know, all decked out and it's, you know, glorious looking. There's a sarcophagi and the doctor warns that this could not only be just a, not only just a tomb, but also a place to reanimate ice warriors in hibernation, which is very Cybermen-ish to an extent. But I'll get to that one yeah, later. This tomb itself, sarcophagus, if you want to call it that, yeah. is very classic Who too. Oh, yeah. It has the giant gemstones on the sides of it. And, you know, it's very much that blocky kind of classic feel that you would have in something like this. It's, you know, in, in a lot of the modern stuff, you, you would expect it to have a more ornately, you know, decorative feel to to the uh, the outside of it and it doesn't and i like it that way i like the fact that it has that classic feel to it yeah it does and and you're also starting to get very much a a, a mummy vibe mm-hmm. here yeah that being said no one's supposed to touch it but a a overly greedy soldier named jack daw decides that he's going to go ahead and and poke the bear with the stick so to speak as as paul likes to say <laughs> and he he drugs his commanding officer, Sergeant Major Peach, and out talks the, the young Vinci into uh, letting him into the tomb so he can start trying to get a few baubles for himself and then return home ahead of everybody else. And uh, let's just say he accidentally activates this sarcophagus. Yeah, by stealing the gemstones from the side of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And um, Queenie wakes up mad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she does. She does. Queen Iraxa wakes up rather steamed, shall we say. She's not a very happy woman. 
Can I say what she does to him? Sure. She turns him into a giant paper wad. <laughs> <laughs> I like the, the weapons here because... Oh, they're freaky. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, if you go back and you watch the classic episodes of Doctor Who and you watch the Ice Warriors guns and what they conceptually are supposed to do, they fire and the effect that they do to the camera is they compress the target, which in this case is oftentimes um, soldiers of some sort or stupid scientists who <laughs> get in the way, and they they compress everything so that it, it looks like it's it looks like they should be like completely compressed, but then it bounces back because the actor falls over and they don't have the technology to just you know show them all compressed and crunched up and stuff. So yeah. this is like this is like no, we're actually going to go all the way <laughs> now with these weapons, and we're going to you know, turn them into, you know, giant folded up paperweights, this, you know, Sonic ish device. Yeah. It's, it's gruesome and gross. Where, where does the head go? Somewhere inside. Yeah. You, you remember those, uh, head changing Power Ranger toys when you were a kid? <laughs> oh, wow. Except there's nothing to come out the other side. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe I just went there. Um, yeah. All right. <laughs> But we get Ice Warriors, and they're back. And Friday's, you know, resurrected his queen, and she's not happy. They've slept no. five thousand years longer than they planned. You know, it's 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 nothing's going quite as it should, right? Of course, the doctor tries to intercede, say, "Hey, y'all need each other's help because <laughs> Mars is basically dead now, and you're not going to survive without help." And so, please have mercy on these primitives. To which, of course, Catch Love is like primitives. Yeah. By the way, we need to talk about Catch Love and God's Acre. Because there was like a... I don't like him. <laughs> you don't like Catch Love? No. No, no. No, he's he's an arrogant sock. He's a Brigadier wannabe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> God's Acre is the one in charge, technically. Technically. Yeah. But Catch Love is the one who likes to pretend he's in charge. And take command ahead of God's Acre. What do you think about the dynamic between these two? Because there is something to that that is revealed later on in the episode. What do you think about these two? I think the one that actually had good sense was the one that was actually in control. That's what I think. Yeah. The other one was basically uh, he was he was like a petty bully teenager. Yeah. Uh, he, he just wanted control. It didn't matter what he had to do to get control. It didn't matter who he had to hurt. It didn't matter whether or not he had a good plan or anything like that. It was just he wanted to be in control. Um, and he he was going to do whatever that took. And that's never a good thing because what usually happens in that scenario is the person who wants the control the most is the person who deserves it the least. Uh, and also the person who is the least fitting for the position. Yeah. Uh, at least that's been my experience in these types of situations because <laughs> the person who usually deserves it the most is going to be the one who is hesitant to take it because he knows what kind of responsibility comes with it. Right. And of course, we find out that Catch Love has a secret about Godsaker. Godsaker was actually tried and found guilty of desertion in Africa. And there was a botched hanging that allowed him to escape and sort of sneak his way back into the army almost unnoticed. And uh, that's why he's now a commanding officer again at this point. Because he's got a scar from the botch hanging, and the only one who knows his secret is Catchlove, and Catchlove is lording that over him every chance he gets. Of course, now your real question is, how did he get back in command? Right. They don't quite explain that. No. You know, it's 
It's the 1800s. Communications were not that great, yeah. all that sort of thing. Before we start building our way towards the climax of this episode, I want to step back a little bit. There's a lot of movie references in this episode. <laughs> a lot of movie references. And the Doctor hasn't seen any of them. <laughs> nope. Nope. <laughs> this season has had some movie and pop culture references, more so than other seasons, to be sure, especially when it comes to, you know, sci-fi sort of references. Because of Bill. Because of Bill, exactly. Yeah. And, of course, she brings up almost immediately when they land on Mars, the Terminator. She asks if he's seen it. He says no. She goes, oh, it's really good. You'd like, you'd like it. He goes, okay, I'll add it to my list. And then she also mentions the thing. <laughs> you'd like it because everybody dies at the end. <laughs> and then after they've had their first little tea with the British officers <laughs> to find out what all's going on, she says, oh, man, so the Ice Warriors, they're kind of like yeah. the Vikings. Like that Kirk Douglas movie with the great theme tune, you know, the Vikings. And the doctor yeah. has absolutely no <laughs> flipping idea what she's talking about. Yeah, it's, it's great. Until the very end when he's able to come up with a movie <laughs> reference. Yeah. And it's Frozen. <laughs> oh, frozen. I know that one. <laughs> See? See? And Bill just sort of goes, uh, but, but there are parallels. You know, there's a, an ice queen and, and he's threatening eternal winter with that weapon there. So, you know, there's a brief parallel, a superficial one. So, you know, you, you can give him that reference. It's just funny that the doctor's seen Frozen, but not the Terminator. <laughs> What do you think oh. about all the movie references in this movie, in, in this episode? Do they work? Oh, I love it. Okay. I, I absolutely love it. Most of the movies that she brings up have either something to do with a similarity to what the episode has going on in it at this point, or something to do with time travel. And in both situations, you would think, well, the doctor's seen that, surely, you know, and he's seen nothing. Nope. <laughs> I'm surprised she didn't bring up Star Wars. That's probably going to come up before the end of the season at some point, you know. Oh, I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. You know, you know, we'll go absolutely nuts the minute that happens, right? <laughs> well, well, the doctor did say I have a bad feeling about this in, in the episode. Right? <laughs> so, you know, um, that definitely got my attention. <laughs> So maybe that's like the only science fiction he's seen, you know? <laughs> Star Wars. That's well, a good place to start. Oh, I love it. Oh, wow. Um, so the Empress <laughs> is revived. She gets mad. There's a tiff that happens, and in the misunderstanding, she decides, ah, oh, we're going to wipe everybody out. Oh, yeah. And so they use this mining machine that's been, you know, repurposed from a weapon on Friday's ship to close them into the tomb. Okay. To barricade them into the tomb. I have to ask, hmm. did you see the parallels between this device and a device that we have seen in another Ice Warrior story arc? Which Ice Warrior story arc are you thinking of? Curse of Peladon. Oh, Peladon, yes. Yes, yes, I was thinking about that. <laughs> the mining equipment. This isn't a sonic lance. No. It's not a sonic lance like what they were using, but it's similar. Very similar. <laughs> it's, you know, it's bigger, but it does a very similar thing. <laughs> right. So, yeah. No, I, I did notice that parallel. <laughs> yeah. We'll talk about some of the other parallels momentarily. <laughs> <laughs> but then, you know, she revives a couple of ice warriors uh, and sends them out to take out the British troops. And as they leave, she begins the process of, of reactivating the hive. 
and we, you know, the camera pans around and we see different sections in the rock face glowing with the silhouette of an ice warrior behind each one. And that sort of shot, <laughs> especially as we look all the way up yeah. and it's all the way around this cavern, reminded me a little bit of the Tomb of the Cybermen. That's what I was going to ask if this <laughs> reminded you of anything. Oh, yes. That was very, very reminiscent of that. Yes. I thought it was great. <laughs> I was like, ooh. I reminded my wife of that. I was like, yeah, this sort of reminded me a little bit of the Tomb of the Cyberman. And she's like, ugh. And I was <laughs> like, what? She's like, could you say creepy? Those things are horrible. And I'm like, yeah, that's why I like them so much. Yes. <laughs> oh, I cannot wait till we finally, you know, in like a year and a half, uh, get to our Cyberman story reviews. Because I want to <laughs> talk about them so bad. Oh, Cyberman. <laughs> I like them more than the master. Just saying. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, no, I, I thought that was that was great. And ultimately, of course, Catch Love takes over command, locks Godsaker, the Doctor, and Bill away, and is prepared to go to war for the British Empire. Which, by the way, I'm sure you noticed uh, the the portrait of Queen Victoria from the David Tennant episode. I did. Oh, man, that was great. Yes! <laughs> Tooth and Claw, I believe, is the episode title. Oh, I, I love that. That was great. That was great. Yeah. So that was cool. I love that. But, of course, the soldiers <laughs> are supremely overmatched. They're about to be massacred when the Doctor is able to get out. Actually, he's able to get out because Friday is, doesn't want to have this this massacre. And he lets them out and wants to team up. And, and you know, is he's looking beyond today to the future. And, right. of course, the Ice Queen, the, the Empress of Mars is just focused very much on here and now what's going on. Well, now, Friday has spent enough time with the humans that he has learned to have an appreciation for them. Yes. You know, it, he he understands that they don't understand what's really going on. And so he's trying to fix that disconnect. Yeah, the disconnect there. So I, I thought that that was really nice how they were able to use that character in a better way than some of the uh, the ways he could have been used. Yeah. Of course, the Doctor and Friday are the ones on the same page together, and, and they go to, to stop things. And things seem to be going well until little stupid-faced Catchlove yeah. decides to basically kidnap the Queen by sticking a giant knife to her throat, and he's going to use her as a hostage to get off the planet okay now just your opinion did you really feel like that he was doing this for queen and country or did you really feel like that he was doing this out of his own pride personal glory queen and country is his that's, excuse for personal glory yeah yeah now he's that's what i thought i thought he was wanting to come back and say look at me i'm the hero yeah every time he says something like well we are british this is the british empire you know this is this is bigger than everything you know and he falls back on that as his reason yeah. you know i was like no you're really saying i'm british this is for me, you know, this right. is you know, my glory so I can rise up in the British Empire, so right. I can be someone important in the British Empire. That was that was what I was getting. He's he's a like I said, an arrogant sot. We've seen a few of those over the years. <laughs> seen a few of those this season. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then of course, uh Godsacre comes back and shows that he's not actually the coward that he believes he is, and kills Catch Love dead with a gut shot from a pistol. Is there any other way uh, to kill someone? <laughs> kill someone dead? Yes. Well, <laughs> maybe. Um, <laughs> did you have to? Um, I always say that when I hear somebody make that statement. 
<laughs> I just think it's funny. Uh, yes. Well, I thought the statement was funny, so that's why I said it. <laughs> but he kills Catch Love and then, in exchange for his life, asks that the Empress send all the soldiers back to Earth. He He is willing to give up his life for everyone else. This isn't a sacrifice. This is an execution. You know, he's facing the one that he was originally due. This is his way of coming to terms with his odd, convoluted situation. And she is willing to give him, in a sense, what he wants, but not today. You're a soldier. You will die in battle. Come to my side, and I can guarantee you that kind of death. You get the impression that... There is a long-term goal in mind for that character. We might not ever find out what that goal is, but at least in her mind, you kind of get the impression that she's thinking that there's more to him than just some kind of a servant. Right, right. So he ends up, you know, basically joining with the Ice Warriors. Do they send the rest of the British troops home? I forget. I think so, yeah. I think so, yeah. And so the Doctor... And Bill are getting ready to leave, but in order to help the Ice Warriors be able to survive on their dying planet, they contact somebody. He sends out a message, which, uh, if you'll remember, the nearest star to our solar system is, um, uh, what is that, Al- Alpha? <laughs> Alpha Centauri. <laughs> right? And you'll never guess who comes over the microphone. Oh, yes. A classic character returns with the same actress that voiced her, the hermaphrodite hexapod Alpha Centauri. Yes. <laughs> from the Peladon episodes, both Peladon storylines, who is this green um, eyeball on a bulbous body <laughs> with uh, four arms and then sort of shuffles on a, like a fin of some sort. Neither, neither male cool. or female, actually. Right. Like I said, hermaphrodite hexapod. <laughs> but she talks like this. Yes. And it's very cool. Oh, yes. And so she comes over the <laughs> the Skype machine, essentially, and says, Welcome to the universe. We'll be sending a ship shortly, but if you could please set something out so that we can identify where to land closest to you. Right. Which is when the Doctor, Bill, and Godsacre go outside and build the giant <laughs> uh, God Save the Queen out of rocks on the Martian I landscape. Love it. <laughs> This is the beginning of the Martians joining the Galactic Federation. Yes, because Alpha Centauri is actually the representative for the Galactic Federation. Yes. And yes, she is. Let's okay, let's call this what it is. This is a prequel. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I love this because this is literally part of the classic series. Oh, mm. Quite yeah, literally. No, this, this is essentially <laughs> this is essentially the introduction of the Ice Warriors, yes. if we wanted to do that. Oh, it's fantastic. It is fantastic. I can see exactly why Gatiss wanted to write this. <laughs> the first storyline could be considered the origin of the Ice Warriors. If it was like, you know, the, the, with the second Doctor, where they thaw out a bunch of warriors uh, in the ice, you know, as sort of a uh, an initial survey... Mm-hmm of earth that went wrong but you know this is essentially the ice warriors stepping out into the universe yeah, this would be the prequel to every other story after that one essentially yeah <laughs> and of course the doctor 
likes to believe in the good in everybody, even though he knows he can't. And of course, things never turn out quite right when the ice warriors are involved. Yeah. They're always involved in something tricky. We've got a couple of different things going on here, too, because uh, this is quite literally the prequel to The Curse of Paladon. Um, I I say that because Alpha Centauri is in The Curse of Paladon. Uh, So this this first this is actually the very first time that we would see Alpha Centauri in chronological order in the timeline. And then Curse of Paladon would come later. So I think that's yeah. really fantastic. Now, something that I brought up before, uh, I was going to get your opinion on this. Uh, the 11th Doctor episode, uh, Cold War. Do you think that maybe that particular Ice Warrior was maybe a scout sent out on the same type of mission that Friday was sent out on? And that's the reason why we find him frozen in the ocean. It's entirely possible. Um, I mean, uh, Friday, the... Uh, the general warrior guy there, and then even the the party that we meet in the Ice Warriors episode from the second Doctor. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's entirely possible that they all could have been sent out as initial scouting missions of some sort. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it, it would make sense. Yeah, I, I personally, I and I know sometimes people say, well, it makes the universe smaller or whatever, but I personally like when those types of things tie together because it makes it make sense in the universe itself. You know what I mean? Right. Um, as opposed to, well, this one's random and that one's random and this one's random and that one's random. Well, yeah, that's great when you've got random events, but you, how many times do you want to, to only be a random event? You know, sometimes you like things to tie together. And I, I like it when, even if it's just a little bit of speculation, if those events seem to tie together. Yeah. You know? Yeah, no, it's... It's definitely something that could have been the case. Uh, you know, they send out these scouts. They put the hive into hibernation to await the scouts' return. Right. And because the scouts don't return, they oversleep by 5,000 years. It makes a lot of sense. A lot of sense. Oh, and just a little fun fact uh, for those of you who uh, were wondering, there is a reference to the Ice Warriors in the waters of Mars. Oh, there is. Yes, because the Doctor says that the water reservoir that they're using is most likely uh, one that was left behind by the ice warriors. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It must have become contaminated after they departed. Yeah. Because we get the idea that the ice warriors can't really stay on Mars because the planet is dying. Yeah. Um, so uh, the, the assumption and what you can infer is that they will soon leave the planet and settle elsewhere. So who knows when and where we might run into the Ice Warriors again. I'm really happy that they've decided to revisit this, uh, especially in this way, because this brings it full circle. This actually makes it even more so, so that it feels like the, the classic series and the new series are just one big series. Right. Yeah, it does. It, it it brings it all together, it intertwines them, and it, it makes it inseparable from right. each other, uh, which I I thoroughly enjoy because, you know, I, I love the classic series, and I love it as a part of the overall Doctor right. Who experience here. Because let's so. be honest, at the end of the day, what's most important in this entire thing is the stories. Yes. All right. Well, let's do some final thoughts and, and ratings. Let's see. What should we rate this? Hmm. Um <laughs> 
Oh, <laughs> I love this. <laughs> what? Did you have an I idea? I love this. No, I'm just thinking of my rating. Oh, okay. Well, oh, what should yeah. we do? Um, Human paperwood. <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> Gruesome, but fitting. Uh, okay. Yes. We'll do that. <laughs> you go first, Paul. I'm going to give it a nine. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, why? <laughs> I love this. I oh, I absolutely love this. This is the best of both classic and new who put together in one big bundle and shaken up and wadded up into a big human paper wide. <laughs> and <laughs> I really, really love this, especially the callback to Alpha Centauri, which I personally think is a very underrated character because I find characters like that very fun. Even though they are quirky and weird, let's be honest, every series needs aliens that are quirky and weird. It's just, it makes it fun. It makes it entertaining. And, you know, let's be honest. How many people do you think really thought they were going to like Nardle before this season started versus what they think about him now? It's it's fantastic. I I absolutely (laughs) love it. It's great. Um, (laughs) Oh, man. I like this episode a lot. It's, uh, you know, it's a nice little self-contained story. Um, for the season, but it sets up a whole lot of stuff for the history of the Ice Warriors that we already know. And, and I love that sort of thing. So the, if we can get a backstory, if we can get, uh, a, a prequel, if you will, uh, the history to what we already have experienced, I think that's great. I think the Ice Warriors were pulled off great. I think the, you know, in spite of the funny names, the inclusion of the British troops, worked well it was like we talked about earlier definitely definitely set up to be a classic doctor who episode which is always a good thing in my book because of my love for the classic series and then of course the incredible cameo of alpha centauri at the end was just a delight yes Uh, i'm going to give this eight (laughs) eight human paper wads Uh, (laughs) it was it was great i i'm not going to call it fantastic because I'm, I'm thinking I need a little bit of extra room for the Cybermen at the end of the season. If I have to, I'll go to 11. Mm. But <laughs> that being said, uh, this is a great episode and, and definitely oh, one of yes, the high points yes, of yes. this season for me. Oh, and, and, and another thing that makes this so great is the fact that this is a prequel that does not feel like a prequel. Yeah. I mean, you, you don't have to know the history of the Ice Warriors for this to make sense. Right. But if you go back and watch all of the other Ice Warrior episodes after this, it makes sense. It does. Yeah. Oh, it's fantastic. It's great. <laughs> it, fit, it fits seamlessly uh, with everything else we know about these characters. So that being said, looks like we've got one more sort of standalone episode before we wrap up the season with a two-parter. Oh, dude. It feels like this, this series has gone by way too quickly. It has. It really has. Um, yeah. The next episode is titled Eaters of Light, and you had a little article here that we wanted to to go over real quick and talk about this. The next episode called Eaters of Light is actually written by Rona Monroe, who is the classic series writer who has come back for this season. She wrote the storyline called Survival uh, for the Seventh Doctor, Mm -hmm. Sylvester McCoy, which ended up being the final storyline in the classic series before BBC can the show. Yeah, because they didn't know what to do with it. They didn't know what to do with it, and they, the new people taking over didn't like sci-fi, and so they took it off the air, because yeah, they couldn't just... Funny duddies. Mm. Anyway, there's a lot of 
studio politics going on. I thought he was the victim of. Uh, but what what is it in particular about uh, <laughs> the upcoming episode that you wanted to mention? Well, basically, it, it says that Doctor Who is going to tackle a real life ancient mystery in this next week's episode. Mm-hmm. And uh, what it's referring to is uh, it says what ever happened to the ninth. Roman Legion. Historians have long speculated about the fate of this fearsome force, which vanished almost 2,000 years ago, but perhaps they should consult Doctor Who (laughs) to find out the truth. Yeah, so the Ninth Roman (laughs) Legion vanished from the records after they marched beyond Hadrian's Wall and deep into the mists of Scotland, and were apparently never heard or seen from again. Yeah, I I think that's quite intriguing. Yeah. I I really am, I'm looking forward to seeing this next episode. Yeah, now, now it appears we're going to be given some sort of explanation for it by Rona Monroe and Doctor Who. I think this, the shots from this episode, I think, were the ones that we were seeing in the teaser trailer where he was walking up to the walls with the opening doors uh, in the stones. Yes. Uh, that looks like this. Yeah, which originally I thought had something to do with the pyramid, but that's obviously not the case. Right. <laughs> so, but you're right. Yeah, no, that does seem to be the case. Uh, we've got, you know, the Doctor, Bill, and Nardole thrust back into history now. And Which is kind of fun because we we don't get as many of those types of episodes as we used to. Right, and I like I like a lot of the historical episodes. I like that whole aspect, that whole idea of running around in your own past mm-hmm. is kind of an intriguing idea. Uh, the trailer looks interesting. It's a short, it's a short uh, next time trailer, um, so there's not a lot to it that we have to go off of. Um, yeah, this the the. The next time trailer seems to be shorter for this than the others were. Um, Maybe there's too much that will be given away if they show you anymore. Uh, could be, but yeah, no, I. There's some Especially sort of. Especially if this is a very heavily packed episode, right? There's some sort of you know creepy monster with tentacles coming out of its face that appears to be <laughs> eating people. Cthulhu's dog. Mm, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> So, um, yeah, I'm really curious to see where this goes. This one looks like it'll be another suspenseful, maybe creepy type episode. Something, you know, sort of dark and mysterious. Uh, yeah. So I'm I'm intrigued and I'm really you know, curious to see how this is going to turn out. I'm wondering if this is going to be a monster story or if this is going to be uh, an alien story because they're not they're not always the same thing, you know. Yeah, I know like in Thin Ice, they, they treated that like it was a monster story, even though you kind of got the impression that it was possibly alien. They never actually came out and told you what it was. And they treated it very much like a monster story as opposed to a an, an actual alien type scenario. Right. Uh, of course, we've also had, you know, scenario where they did the bait and switch type uh, thing where, like, for example, with the horror of Fang Rock, where you think it's a monster story and then you find out at the end that it's actually an, another alien race. And so, you know, they, they've played that multiple different ways, but I, I really wonder if this is going to be kind of like the monster of the week thing, or if this is going to be something else. No, I suspect it'll be an alien monster episode. It is a monster, but it's from space. It's an alien. It's, it's, you know, there's something yeah. malevolent to it. And it seems to be, you know, from the brief clips we've seen, it seems to be somewhat intelligent or somewhat, you know, sentient. Maybe not completely. Something not mindless, I should say. Right. You know, maybe not sentient, but something that's not completely mindless either. So, but we'll see. All right. Well, if you want to comment on Empress of Mars or speculate on 
uh, the Eaters of Light, you can do that with us on our social media pages, uh, facebook.com slash Talking Time Lords, where you can also find our Talking Time Lords group page where you can talk about anything and everything involving Doctor Who with us there. So please go get in on the conversation, join our community there. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter at, at Talking Time Lord. Email us at TalkingTimeLords at gmail.com, or you can find all that information as well as links to all of our previously released episodes on our website, TalkingTimeLords.com. Also, please leave us a rating and review on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, or wherever you find our lovely little podcasts yes. where we get weird and gross and rate things by <laughs> human paper wads. Because we would greatly appreciate your feedback <laughs> there. Please be sure to leave us a review on iTunes uh, in particular because that will get us higher on the queue and past shows that have already stopped producing new episodes. So, <laughs> Yeah, that's kind of embarrassing, actually. Mm. <laughs> All right. Well, anything else, Paul, before we, we wrap this up and, and escape Mars with our skin? Hmm. I think I'm going to go back and watch some episodes with Alpha Centauri. <laughs> well, well, I'm sure she would greatly appreciate that. <laughs> All right. And before I completely scare everybody else off by imitating Alpha Centauri for too much longer, uh, we're going to wrap up this episode of Talking Time Lords. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. This has been episode number 74. God save the Queen. For Paul, I'm Jason. And remember, until next time, may you hope for our flung hopes and dream impossible dreams. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> Talking Time Lords is a proud member of the Thunderquack Podcast Network. Visit thunderquack.com to see their entire catalog of podcasts or visit patreon.com slash thunderquack to help support the shows.
queen. <laughs> oh, dear. Not only was she just like a, a weird, funny character, but she just talked nonstop. I know. She couldn't stop talking. I know. And it was great. But it, it was one of the things that I found charming about the character, you know. Uh, it was intentionally done over the top. Yeah. If, if you go to TARDISWiki.com, they've got a collection of behind-the-scenes videos. And um, the last one, Mark Gatiss uh, and Stephen Moffat talk about bringing back Alpha Centauri. And Mark Gatiss talks about how she was just the talk of the town because she was just so funny. Yeah. She's just such an amusing character, so... Um, but yeah I want them to bring that character back at some point front and center where we can actually see the character on the actual screen you know <laughs> I you know even if they just do it in the, in, in the, the form of bringing back the Galactic Federation and make, even if she's just in the background you know mm-hmm I think that would be fantastic. 